Welcome back to another episode of So What Does Judaism Say About? I'm Rabbi Rick Fox. With me, as always, is the illustrative Rabbi Beer. How are you doing, Rabbi Beer? Fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful. So today, I want to talk about what does Judaism have to say about finding oneself? You mean we're not all supposed to be doing the exact same thing? I don't think so. Isn't Judaism like a like a like a cookie cutter mold that just everyone is supposed to be the exact same Oreo? Some of them have sprinkles. Oh, very good. <laughs> I like that point. Those are the strimals. The yeah. Sprinkles. Now they have like the white cookie with the chocolate inside instead of the chocolate cookie with the white inside. Mint. You're saying there's different types of Jews, uh, different types of Oreos. I mean, there were twelve tribes, and each one had their own mission. Clearly, they, you know, it wasn't like they all just sat in yeshiva all day. There was, if I'm not mistaken, there was one tribe, Yisachar, whose job it was to sit. And they had a business partnership with their brother Zvulun, who were the merchants. They were out in the, in the sea, you know, balling out, you know, um, canopy beds and... Making millions. Making millions and sharing that with their brethren who were back. But there's 12, clearly there's at least 12 permutations, which I assume means that there's immense permutations of what a person should be doing. So how do you know what's right for you? That's a great, that's a great point. I want to share a thought with you. Yeah. Rev Hirsch. Writes, Love Rev Hirsch. Hirsch is the best. There's a lot of the best. Right. But Rev Hirsch is certainly the best. Right. Rev Hirsch writes, this is a critique, which, you know, it's, it's, you got to be great to say these kinds of things. He says that Yitzchak, Isaac, had two sons. Right. Jacob yeah. and Esau. Yeah, Yaakov and Esav. And he says a critique on Yitzchak. This is a subtlety. It's not for us to just you know throw out criticism of the reason why Esav developed the way he did was because Esav was raised like he de- Yaakov. He, de- he developed poorly. He developed poorly. Was I'm because- sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. You didn't cut me off. You filled in what I forgot to say. <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> pleasure. Is that Esav was raised like a Yaakov. Yaakov is the Ishtam. He's the you know, focused, simple person. Esau is that person who's, who's, you know, he knows the fields. He knows what's out there. He knows how to hunt. He knows how to make money. And Esau was raised like a Yaakov. Yaakov has 12 sons that are all in the, the Jewish chain because Yaakov raised each one of them differently. Wow. Yaakov recognized that each one was unique. It wasn't just that they became unique. Jacob was fundamentally involved in their development to create those 12 aspects of how you express yourself. The Torah writes, continuing your point, Ish asher a man like their blessing, he blessed them according to what they were good at. Meaning you see a guitar player, you don't say, I'm, I give you a blessing, you should be great at math. You see a guy who's playing guitar, you say, I give you a blessing, you should be excellent at guitar. And you should express yourself and you should find comfort and meaning and happiness through what you're good at. Not through what somebody else is good at. Right. And Yaakov recognized that Judaism has within the walls of Judaism, so to speak, the way for everyone to express themselves as who they are and raise his family as such. And he created the nucleus of the nation with this. Excellent. Now, we don't have Yaakov, Jacob, around to give us blessings to help us discover who we are. So we've got to figure it out for ourselves in a certain way. Mentors, research... Trial and error. Introspection, self-discovery. Right. The Vilna Gon writes that one of the roles that prophets played in the Jewish nation while prophets existed wasn't just to 
tell people hot stock tips and winning lottery numbers. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that would be a little awkward, you know. <laughs> Buy, sell. I'm, I'm guessing, right? They, they were fundamentally developed, helping people fundamentally develop. And one of the ways they would do that by, was by using their insight to help people discover their character. The Vilnagon writes that they could help identify the Shoresh Nishmaso, the source or the root of a person's soul, and help people. There's like highest level therapy. You get, have people get in touch with who their essence is. Right. And through that, allow people to know that the best path for them to develop themselves. I'd like to share with you a... Well, um, you know, we have a problem. There's no more profits. Yes. Yeah, so how are we supposed to find out who we are, well, man? Am I supposed to go to a mountaintop or should I go on the like Talmud those, writes actually treats, you know, there you go. The Talmud writes that prophecy now exists among Shotim. Idiots. <laughs> Insane people. Insane people. <laughs> so if a guy tells you he's a prophet, he might be. He might be. He might be. But you know, he certainly shouldn't I mean, be telling you that. We should all go down to 15th and market and test out this theory. Yeah. The people on the milk crates, you know, <laughs> screaming about the world coming to an end. Abe Simpson. <laughs> so so what do you got there? I just want to share one more a statistic. Okay. This is a thought from Revelio Svei, who was a blessed memory, who was the dean of the Philadelphia Yeshiva. That's where you learned. Yeah. You spent your formidable years there. Formidable, form, uh, formative years. For, that's what it is? Formative years? But they were formidable. You went there. You studied. I did. This, I did. And this is a very elite institution. You're not trying to make me feel good about myself, are you? No, I, th- I think that this is the this is the Wharton of, of yeshivas, <laughs> or maybe Wharton is the Philly of business exactly. schools. Uh-huh, exactly. Yeah. All right. So he said, based on a Targum Yonason Ben Uziel, which is a like a quasi kabbalistic text, which literally means a translation, but it's not really a translation. It's like a running translation slash embellishment of the Chumash written in the times of the Talmud. Um, the Targum Yonason writes a passage, which I can read in Aramaic. I'll just give the explanation rather than give the literal translation. Uh, this is in the in Parshas Bahaloscha, in the book of Bamidbar. The divine presence will rest on the Jewish people. Does that sound like Harry Potter? That there are there are going the composition or the statistics or the the numbers of Jewish people will be for every two thousand scholars or two thousand people who are like totally devoted to spirituality. There will be twenty thousand. So this is one out of eleven normal people who are involved in business. There is not supposed to be fifty, sixty, eighty percent of the Jewish people sitting and studying Torah all day. The percentage is supposed to be more like one in ten? One one of eleven. One in There's eleven. Twenty two thousand, so you know, something like that. It's like like nine percent of the people should, you know, less than ten percent should be fully devoted to religious practice. Well, everybody's involved in religious practice, I would assume. Well your job can turn into, your career can turn into something which oh, is mean, spiritual. Oh, you mean you do for a living. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How you make money is involved. We don't in... need 60% of the Jewish people to be Torah teachers. Right. That's not that's not what the Jewish people are supposed to look like. Not what the meaning of 1 out of 11 is. You, we can talk about the number 22,000 is. This is a discussion for another time. But it's, it's like fascinating that like the ideal state of the Jewish people is less than 10% who are, who are studying Torah a whole day. 
That's not supposed to be the normative role for most of the nation. Now, does that mean that there aren't time periods in a person's life where they should be more devoted to full-time study and then less devoted? Like even, you know, thinking about just, let's just use American culture, right? So everybody goes to school and then most people that we know, I mean, it's very common to then go to college or whatever it is, but you're, you're really involved in study most of the time in order that, and then you go and get a job. But there was a time period when everyone was sort of in full-time school. So how does that play a part? I, I think your, 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 your question is answering itself. I'm listening. <laughs> There's a time when you want to go to school to learn skills. Right. And the best way to learn a skill, even if it's going to be part of what you do, is to be enveloped in something, to be engrossed in something. Right. Not necessarily because that's going to be your career or your job or the focus of most of your time. Right. But if you really want to do something well, let's say you want to have a study partner every evening. Right. For an hour and a half, for an hour, for 45 minutes, whatever free time you have, you want to be able to, when you retire, go and study a little more when you have more free time. Right. Well, if you don't have skills, how enjoyable is that going to be? Not enjoyable at all. Correct. So you put that time in, you now have a skill set that allows you to have a meaningful connection while you have a career. Meaning putting the time in to develop Torah study skills so that you can continue to develop yourself as a person while you're doing what you should be doing because you enjoy working, you enjoy playing music, you enjoy um, whatever it is, building, whatever the career path Competitive you're on. hot dog eating. Yeah. If that's very, very popular with the Jewish people these days, thing. unfortunately. Right. And uh, so, wow, that's so interesting. So, you know, there, there is a, there, there's separate things. One is who is devoted in terms of their whole life to religious study, studying all day, being in yeshiva all day versus finding a way to find that balance. And, and how do you express yourself then in the world around you outside of the halls of study? Exactly. And your point of people go to school for some period of time, you know, people are very intimidated at the concept of like going to yeshiva. That means I'm going to go in, I'm going to go out, a changed person. No, you're the same person. You just have a new skill set. Right. That's what I did. I, I took... I worked for three years or change and then was committed to six months of real study, which helped me then develop what I wanted to do next with myself. But every year I'm taking it year by year. What's the, what was the, what's the best thing for me to do this year was sort of how I, how I made that decision and with the full intention of going back to work, which is exactly what I did. And I've been really happy I did that because it's been really fun. Like I think I'm in clicked in to something very powerful, but not something full time. But you now have a skill set which yeah. allows you to do things and express yourself and have an enjoyable, meaningful side gig. But it's not really a side gig. It's right. really something that permeates everything you do right? because you put that time in. Right. And if you put 15 years in, you might have a different... Uh, hey, that's what you did. <laughs> you, might, <laughs> you might have a different skill set. So how but do that you... doesn't mean... Yeah, okay. So what, what what does this lead us to? Right, exactly. So how do I know? How do you know? I, right. We don't have profits. Right. You know, who's going to tell us what to do? I'm going to quote a teaching from the Nitziv. I'm going to tell you to who to Berlin. No, you got to tell us a little bit more about him. I, I, I'm going to make you do that because I know he's one of your favorites and we haven't talked about him yet. And so you got to open up the floodgates a little bit on who, who was the Nitziv. The Nitziv was the dean of the Valajan Yeshiva. The Valajan Yeshiva, was in its time, it closed down in the 1880s, the premier Yeshiva in Europe. I don't know exactly how long he was the dean for, a number of decades, several decades, had a long career. And he has 
very unique ways of interpreting things. Like his his style, he has a, a commentary on the Chumash, which is like incredibly original. He's a huge scholar, quotes like an incredible amount of sources, but he puts things together and, and like reanalyzes things in, in beautiful, unique, and very um, original ways. So he writes uh, on when the Torah describes the mitzvah of tzitzis. The, the Torah says that when a person wears tzitzis, tzitzis are the fringes, like a talit, like a talis, that these re- remind him that he shouldn't be losasuru achre levavchem achre He shouldn't, mis- often mistranslated astray after his heart and his eyes. Mitzvah says the word losasuru literally means to explore. It doesn't mean to stray. It says people need to find themselves. And how do you find yourself? You, you see what you enjoy what you're good at, what, what is meaningful to you. And that's how you find your mission in this world. If you're not the type of person that is a, I think they call it a bench warmer for 20 years, you know, just sit and study, maybe that's not your mission. Maybe you're going to do a little studying. You're going to put some time into that, as you pointed out, to develop a skill set. But ultimately what you're going to do is be something else, is be an aggressive businessman, businesswoman, be a, a a doctor, what whatever it is that, that you know. Be a nurse. Be be an artist. Whatever it is that you find is you. You do that. But while you're exploring, you need to find boundaries because you keep exploring, you can go off the rails. Who knows where you'll end up? You, you so we follow the rules of the Torah and the guidelines of the Torah to know that while we're discovering ourselves and finding what part of this world is we, something we should be focusing on. We follow the dictates of the Torah to give us guidelines how to stay on the rails, how to take the right track to that destination, which is happiness and fulfillment, but not go too far off. Wow. That's a very beautiful analogy, by the way, staying on the rails, because it's, you could take the track anywhere, but the track has stations and destinations. There's a plan. There's a structure. But it can go almost anywhere because it has the, the track sort of keeping you in a boundary, but really it's infinite what you could, how you could express yourself. The railway network is all over the place. Right. You just want to stay on the rails. That's a beautiful analogy. I love that. So now we'll talk in a broad stereotype. There's a passage in the Talmud, which you can fill us in on, which mentions a quote-unquote disagreement between Rabbi Yishmael and Rabbi Shonu Bar Yochai. So two of the great Tanayim, the great teachers and writers of Mishnah, of that, of that era. So thousands of years ago, these two greats had a fundamental difference in how they viewed what people should do with their lives. So Reb Shimon Bar-Yachai says that a person should have Torah Som Naso. Every person should just study Torah all day. And Reb Yishmael says, no, you should have a career and you should also study Torah. Your, the pinnacle of your day, the part of the day that you look forward to or you find the most valuable Hopefully it should be your Torah study. But you should have that career. You shouldn't just say that, I don't know, somehow the money will fall down the chimney. You shouldn't just say somehow I'll find a way to feel happy and complete just by studying. That's not for a lot of people. The Talmud ends off when it when it describes this quote-unquote disagreement, which is actually really just two different viewpoints for two different types of personalities. Many have tried to do like Rav Shonu follow this Complete Torah devotion. Harbei Asukain, may any have done this? They were not successful. They were not successful. It's not recommended for most people. Right. Right. So as we mentioned, a lot of people are not going to find fulfillment. 
doing this. Full time. Yeah, that doesn't mean you don't study. Right. I mean, if you have an intellect, you want to stimulate it, you want to stimulate that with Torah, that is the number one battery to power your development and your growth. But that doesn't mean that's going to be your entire life. Right. Share a thought with Rav Simcha, from Rav Meir Simcha of Dvinsk. Passed away, I think, in the 1920s, one of the leaders of his generation. He writes that if you have a person, what he calls is a Baal Teshuva, a person who has an interesting background, the way he's going to turn that background, which was, let's say, not the ideal spiritual background, he's going to turn over a new leaf, is not necessarily by fully devoting himself to Torah. Because you, you can lose yourself that Because way. you can lose yourself. The way you turn that background into a strength is by remaining in the physical world. Because that's the world you know best and finding the spiritual there. The This is a stereotype. Obviously, there's no, there's no one answer for every single person. But it's like, you, it's like you bring yourself with you. You bring the positive aspects exactly. of what you enjoyed, who you were. Bring that with you as you better yourself and develop and mature. Don't ignore your past. Embrace your past. Right. So if you're that quote-unquote Baal Teshuvah, that person who is returning from a checkered you know, stage of your life, or a stage of your life in which you, know, you might not necessarily be so proud of because you've done whatever you've done that's not ideal, instead of saying, that wasn't me, I'm going to ignore it, I'm going to be in denial about it. No, that was me. But using that knowledge and experience that I have, I am then going to re-engage that with a new focus. It's like I'm not going to... Switch cultures. <laughs> right. You're American. So just be a good American. You know? Be a good Jewish American. Right, right. Or whatever. It's like I, you, think, you hear about like a, a, a punk kid hacker who then goes and works for the NSA, you know, to help them catch terrorists, you know. He's one, still going to have the piercing in his nose. <laughs> right. With a little, you know, bar through his. Right. Because that's him. That's, that's right. who he is. Right. He's going to do good things. Right. He, if he puts on a, you know, a boring men in black uniform. That's going to crush his soul. That's going to crush him. That's not who he is. Right. So keep what you are, but just refocus it right. to a new direction. Right. Don't, don't ignore your past. Don't break off from who you were. Because who Sh- you were, there's a huge part of who you were. That's who you are. Correct. That doesn't mean you have to still keep tripping on acid. That might not be very healthy. <laughs> but whatever it is, however you implement this, don't ignore the past. Don't be in denial about the past. Embrace it and refocus it. Wow. So how, how do you recommend a person begin to find themselves? Do you make a list of what they're good at? What, what I think I'm going to go with your point before, Torah study. Try to get that block of time in which you can get the skills to connect to the knowledge of Judaism. Because ultimately, the way you're going to discover yourself is through, is through thinking. How are you going to think what it is for me to be a Jew if you don't explore and analyze what Judaism is? We all keep the same basic rules. We just express those rules in different ways. But you have to understand what those the rails are, as you mentioned before, the rail system. Right. You gotta know the rail system. Now you'll understand where it's taking you. Now you'll understand how to guide yourself along those ways. I also found in my own in my own journey, and I certainly grew up, you know, people will call it differently than how I am now, but I don't feel different. You know, and I think the way I express myself is largely the same way. I will add though the biggest change in my life was really taking the Sabbath, Shabbat seriously, because I feel like that time that I have where I can look back on the weekends like, did I live my best week? Did I live my best life? And I can make a tweak or an adjustment for the following week was really powerful for me. When you say look, what do you mean by look? 
Well, now I'm confused. You're thinking. Oh. You're analyzing. <laughs> this is all the mind. Now, let me, right. do you think you're at your self-analysis skills are better from your Torah study? Yeah, for sure. So there you go. You're, you're, you're taking Torah study. You're following a pillar of Judaism, which is the Shabbat. And now you have the ability and the time and the headspace to kind of make that all work. And then you go out and you try it and you have a six, you have six days to sort of put that, that trial in, in and say like, okay, let's try this this time. It's, it's, it's awesome. It was, you know, very powerful, but, you, but, you, but if you're not, but I know when I'm not being honest with myself and I'm, that's not really me. And I'm, you know, you, you can't fake that because you really are you. You can't try to run away from that. Unfortunately, people, people delude themselves for their whole large, large parts of their life. <laughs> wow. Very powerful idea. Very powerful idea. Okay, well, I make it makes it sound like like I have no struggles with these things because I'm just you know sitting here and just you know right. quoting sources. Right. This is something we all deal with. We all have to tweak ourselves, reanalyze ourselves, but that's what life's all about. And and I love that you're sharing that Judaism wants that from you. Judaism wants you to express yourself. There will only be one you ever. You were born now. You're you now with your background, with your skill set, with your likes, with your dislikes. If you don't embrace that and, and bring that into your ex- self-expression and how you are a Jew, then what was the point? So you, you, it's like Torah telling you have to do that. Be you, not somebody else. And we're not just a product of our DNA. We're also a product of our environment and our upbringing. Right. So that's also part of the you. Absolutely. Well, this has been... I, I'm excited to get back to work on this. All right. Let's do it. <laughs> Together. Let's go, let's go get to work. Well, thank you so much for tuning into another episode of So, What Does Judaism Say About? We'll see you next time. <laughs>